KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. Shiurim for this month, month of Shvat, are being broadcast. The Ilui Nishmat Harav Avraham Yitzchak Ben Chaim Yehuda and Chana Reuven Ben Moshe Chaim. Today's Shir is dedicated. The Schut of the Shir should be for the Refuah of Dvora uh, Idol Bat Miriam Bracha. Schut Torah. זכות הפצת התורה, תעמוד לה, רפואה שלמה, רפואת הנפש, רפואת הגוף, השתה בעגלה ובזמן קריב. כן, תתי לתור הפודקאסט, תראי איז טוזדיי, שיעור אין פרשת השבוע, שיעור פרשת השבוע, הוא בגיוון, this week as usual, by הרב חנוך וקסמן. I would like to discuss a, a problem, perhaps more accurately attention, which emerges from the very first few psukim of the parsha. Perek Yudimel, Pasuk Yudzayin in Sefer Shemot, tells us the following. Ha'ib shalach paro et ha'am, when paro sent forth the people, v'lo nacham elokim derech eretz plishtim, Hashem did not desire for them to travel uh, through the land of the plishtim, ki karovu, because it was close, um, most probably, one should translate like Rashi, Kikarovu, because it was close to Mitzrayim. God said, lest the people will regret or desire to turn back when they see a war, and they will return to Egypt. So, in fact, it appears there is an apparent uh, or possible problem. Um, if one goes the short way, so to speak, along the northern ridge of the Sinai, Derech Eretz Plishtim, this is quite close to Egypt, and upon, shortly after leaving Egypt, encountering Emil Chama vis-à-vis the Plishtim, uh, B'nai Israel um, would regret leaving Egypt. And due to their fear of Milchama, due to their fear of war and of battle, they would turn back and they would head straight back to Egypt, Veshavu Mitzrayim, that's how the verse ends. So there is a kind of problem here. Uh, the lack of preparedness of B'nai Israel for war, and therefore, as opposed to uh, taking in the short way, uh, God takes them a bit of a, a longer way. And we pick it up now in Pasuk Yudchat. And God turned the people as opposed to the way that would go vis-a-vis the Plishti land. God turned them in a path that would take them the way of the desert to the south. Yamsuf, down towards Yamsuf. Um, so in response, uh, or in order to avoid the encounter with war and the possible desire to return to Egypt, God takes them to the south, down towards Yamsuf, the longer way around, and this, so to speak, is the main body of these Vipsukim. Now, at this point, um, we encounter our tension or our problem. Let us now look at the last clause of Pasuk Yudchet. V'chamushim alu b'nei Yisrael me'eretz Mitzrayim. And the, literally, this means, in B'nai Yisrael went up armed, chamushim, they were armed with weapons, from the land of Egypt. Um, now, of course, this, on the surface, is rather interesting, because just a few moments ago, um, the Torah had told us that in God's judgment, the people were not yet ready for war. If they would encounter war, there was the possible problem of a desire to return to Egypt. And therefore, in, vor- in order to avoid an encounter with war, God takes them the long way around, derech midbar, down to the south. And yet then immediately afterwards, following, the Torah tells us that they emerged armed from Egypt. Well, what exactly is the point of telling us that the B'nai Yisrael emerged armed uh, with weapons from Egypt if 
the entire plan of God at this point in time is for them to avoid war because they are not yet ready for battle. Um, if God has taken them on a path in order to avoid war, why mention the fact that they have weapons? Uh, now, one could claim, as Rashi in fact does, that the phrase v'chamushim alu b'nei Yisrael me'eretz Mitzrayim and the b'nei Yisrael left um, armed from Egypt, or one, at least one opinion in Rashi, that this is a kind of parenthetical reference which is meant to indicate to us uh, how it is that later on in various stories in the Chumash, even here uh, at the very end of Parshat B'Shalach, the B'nai Yisrael seem to have weapons. So where they get weapons? Oh, they got them when they left Egypt. And here it's kind of mentioned parenthetically, B'chamushim alu B'nai Yisrael me'eretz Mitzrayim, that the B'nai Yisrael, that the children of Israel left Egypt with weapons. Yet, nevertheless, even if this is correct, it's, the phrase should be viewed as a kind of parenthetical reference. Still, the fact that the Torah chooses to emphasize the presence of weapons with B'nai Israel seems to be at odds with the previous material, the notion of their lack of preparedness for war. So we might say that there's a kind of tension here, that at the beginning of these first few verses here, uh, there's a sense of B'nai Israel not yet being ready and the lack of preparedness for battle. And yet, at the end of Pasuk Yudchet v'chamushim alu, we move over to the other side of things, to a sense of preparedness or looking forward towards battle. And the emphasis of the Torah at this point here about the weapons is strange, and I think the tension requires some uh, explanation. This is one problem. Um, as we move along, I think that another kind of tension, or the issue of preparedness for war, the issue of lack of preparedness for war, versus preparedness uh, for milchama for war. The same issue appears in a, a slightly different guise. Let us move a bit further on uh, in the text here. Um, now, because God had decided that B'nai Yisrael were not yet ready for war uh, and were not going to travel through the land of the Plishtim, we're told a bit further on in Pasuk Kaf, Vayisumi Sukkot, B'nai Yisrael traveled from Sukkot, Vayachanu Be'etam, B'kitzeh Midbar, they encamped at the edge of the Midbar, they're heading for the Midbar, and then we jump a few sukim later, and a new parsha opens in the Torah. A parak Yudalot opens, and we're told there as follows: By Daber Hashem Moshe Lemor, God spoke to Moshe, Daber El Bnei Yisrael, the Yashuvu, and the Bnei Yisrael should move back, turn around. And this, of course, hark back, harks back to the term Vishavu Mitzrayim back in Pasuk Yud Zayin at the beginning of the previous parsha that we read a few moments ago. And what should they do when they turn back? So, in fact, they're supposed to, so to speak, edge back uh, in the direction of Egypt or perhaps in the direction of north. They should move away from the deep, de- deep depths of the Midbar where they've been headed previously. And they should turn back towards Egypt, not to really head all the way down south to the Midbar. Uh, now, this, of course, is strange, but God explains what his purpose in this reversal of his instructions is in the very next verse. In Perekyu Dalit, Pasuk Gimel, we're told as follows, Paro will say regarding Bnei Yisrael, they are confused, and then God announces that he will harden the heart of Paro, Paro will chase after Bnei Yisrael. And, of course, that's, in fact, exactly what happens. Paro hears the news of the Bnei Yisrael encamping or edging back or reversing themselves, Paro's heart is hardened, and we're told a bit further on in Perak Yudalid, Pasuk Tet, uh, Pasuk Ched, in fact, Be'chazek Hashem et Paro, God hardened the heart of Paro, Melech Mitzrayim, Ve'yidof, Achrei Bnei Yisrael, He chased after Bnei Yisrael, 
Ubnei Yisrael Yotzim Biyadarama, Ubnei Yisrael left with upraised banners, Vayudufu Mitzrayim Achareyam, and Egypt chased after them, Vayasigu Otam Chonim Al Hayam, Kol Sos Rechav Paro Ufashav V'chelo, Al Pi Achirot Lefnei Baltafon. So what happens is, is that God has Ubnei Yisrael edge back, turn around, reverse their direction, not head down to the deep depths of the Midbar, to encamp in a place where Paro can notice them and Paro can catch them. God then hardens Paro's heart and causes Paro to chase after Bnei Yisrael, which is exactly what he does, and he catches them in that exact spot, by in that place where God had had them encamp. And, of course, needless to say, this leads to great panic on the part of Bnei Yisrael. And Paro came close, um, and Bnei Yisrael lifted up their eyes. It was as if all of Egypt was coming after them. And they were very, very much afraid. Now, the problem seems to be here is that when we begin Parshat B'Shalach, it seems that war is something to be avoided. Battle is something uh, to be avoided. B'nai Israel are not yet ready for a military situation. And therefore, God decrees that they should not follow the short route, but in fact, they should follow the longer route down to the south. But then God seems to reverse things. God seems to change his mind and brings war down upon uh, B'nai Israel. He creates a situation where power notices the reversal of their encampment, chases after them and catches them, and then this is say B'nai Israel are panicked. If the issue was B'nai Israel were not prepared for war, here God, so to speak, reverses himself and invites the very war upon Am Yisrael that they were not yet prepared for. And I think, again, here there is a tension or a problem. On the one hand, we have the sense of lack of preparedness for war. On the other hand, we have the sense of God inviting war uh, of perhaps there is some preparedness for war. Or, alternatively, we can phrase this as a question as to God's motivation. If God first feels that B'nai Israel are not prepared, and they're too scared, they're not yet ready, they may turn back to Egypt, he then goes ahead and brings down upon them that very ultimate fear of B'nai Israel, Egypt descending upon them, and needless to say, the Torah describes it exactly that way. Uh, in Parak Yudal, Pasukud, Vayiru, Mo'od, they were very much afraid, and the question here becomes not so much the tension between unpreparedness and preparedness, but the questions of God's motivation in bringing about the exact situation in, that he seemed to want to avoid previously or felt B'nai Israel were not yet ready for. Now, there are um, numerous uh, different approaches um, to um, these psukim, uh, to the parsha uh, that we are discussing currently. Um, some uh, which focus on the relationship, so to speak, uh, between God and Paro, between God and Mitzrayim, the need for divine punishment of Paro. But I, in fact, would like to go in a slightly different direction. And I would like to pursue an approach which emerges from an interesting parallel between the events immediately preceding Kriyat Yamsuf, the crossing of the, uh, of the Yamsuf, the events immediately preceding the drowning of the Egyptians in Yamsuf, and the passage in the Torah found later on in Parakid Dalad, which describes the events uh, following the crossing of the Yamsuf, following the drowning of the Egyptians in the Yamsuf. And I would like to pick it up in the text, more or less, from where we were up to a few moments ago, from Perak Yudalid, um, Pasuk Yud. And uh, let's, re- again, uh, repeat the verse. We're told there as follows. 
Uparohi Kriv and Parok came close, uh, caught them camping on the edge of the uh, Yam. And the uh, Jewish people, the people picked up their eyes. And behold, Egypt was traveling after them. And they were very, very afraid, etc., um, etc. Et and of course, what is their response to their fear? Pasukut Aleph. Were there not sufficient number of graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die in the Midbar? What is this you have done to us to take us out of Egypt? So, not surprisingly, in their fear and panic, B'nai Yisrael um, remark almost sarcastically to Moshe that weren't there sufficient number of graves in Egypt? Now here we're going to die uh, in the Midbar at the hand of Egypt. And then they even make the claim that this is what we said back to you in Egypt. In Pasuk Bet, they make the striking claim that we said back in Egypt, but ought to have stayed in Egypt and worked there and die here in the Midbar. Now, one of the points that's interesting here is it seems strange at first glance that the Israel are, are so concerned uh, about um, the threat of Egypt. They're convinced that they're going to die at the hand of Egypt. And that's exactly what they say, they're going to die here in the desert. But as we well know, there are quite a few of them. Um, many, many hundreds of thousands. And not just that there are quite a few of them and there are many hundreds of thousands of them, but we as well know that they have arms. Uh, we were told back in Parak Yud Gimel Pasuk, Yud Chet V'chamushim Alu B'nei so there's this gigantic mass of people. They're back against the wall, they're back against the sea, and they're well-armed. And who is descending upon them? Well, Egypt's army. Or perhaps more accurately, whatever is left uh, of Egypt's army. Um, now it is true that Perik Yedal Pasik Vav tells us that Paro took Shish Meot Rechav Bachur, Bachur Rechav Mitzrayim, all of the chariots of Egypt. Um, yet, but after the Makot, after all that Egypt has been through, one might question how much military might Egypt really had yet intact. And here, if we're dealing with a gigantic number of people um, that is armed, that has looted not just the wealth, but also the arms of Egypt, um, well, why are the people so panicked and why are they so afraid? The answer, in fact, uh, is, is quite simple. It's apparent to anyone with a little bit of uh, psychological perspective, and it's already noted by Ibn Ezra. And the answer is found, uh, according to Ibn Ezra, in Perikudalit Pasuk Tet, uh, when we're told, pardon me, uh, in Perak Yudal, Pasuk Yud, when we're told, Paro Hikriv, Paro came close with whatever army he had, and the uh, people picked up their eyes, they saw all of Egypt. Whatever quantity of troops Paro had with him at this point, uh, or whatever mighty power Paro had with him, the people perceived it as all of Egypt, as their masters, those who had enslaved them, those who they had been um, who they had been not just physically enslaved to, but psychologically enslaved to over time. And it is, of course, not surprising that Venezuela enter into panic. They stand there dumb. They are overwhelmed by Egypt. And they talk about better to work in Egypt rather than to die in the Midbar. They never should have left. Now, this brings us to Moshe's reaction, which is very crucial. Um, in Parak Yudalit, Pasuk Yud Gimel, Moshe responds to the people's uh, panic the people's complaint that they should never have left of Egypt with the following words. And Moshe said to the people, do not be afraid. And this harks back to Parak Yudalit Pasuk Yud, 
where we're told, much says, don't be afraid. Stand. So you should see uh, the Hatzalah, the saving, the redemption, the Yeshua that God will uh, perform for you this day. As you see Egypt today, you will never see them again. Um, God will fight for you, and you will be silent, you will be quiet, you will be do nothing. So in fact, Moshe says, A, al tira'u, do not be afraid, and this counters uh, the fear that the people had had before. B, Moshe says, there's something you're going to see. Uh, uh, Moshe, in fact, says it's twice. You're going to see Yeshua Tashem, and therefore, because you're going to see Yeshua Tashem, you're never going to need to see Egypt again as you see them now, as you perceive them now, as this mighty force, as your masters. So, the second interesting marker here is the idea of seeing. Well, what do they see? It's uh, Yeshua Tashem, the fact that God is going to save them. And, of course, that brings us to the fourth marker. How is God going to save them? Hashem yilachem lachem. God will fight for you. So, Moshe, in fact, says, do not be afraid. You will see. God will save you. God will fight for you. And this is what happens immediately preceding um, Kriyat Yamsuf. Now, what's very interesting, and I alluded to this previously, is a kind of parallel that exists between this speech of Moshe, or these events preceding the drowning of the Egyptians in the Yam, and a short parsha in the Torah that begins in Perak Yudalid, Pasuk Kavav, more or less uh, the actual drowning of the Egyptians in the sea and the aftermath of the drowning of the Egyptians uh, in the sea. Um, and what I would like to point out is that every single one of the markers uh, that appear uh, in the section preceding also proceed in the section, also occur in the section uh, coming afterwards. Um, if we pick it up in Perak Yudalid, Pasuk Kavav, uh, the beginning of the section I've alluded to, it says as follows, So the people already are passing through or have passed through, and God says to Moshe, stretch out your hand over the sea. The waters are going to turn back, or the waters are going to turn around or come back, and, and we'll come back to this in a second. Here in Kavav, beginning the fourth mini parsha of the larger section we are discussing, of course, harks back to the Vyashuvu in Perak Yudalid, Pasuk Bet, which is the beginning of the second mini-chapter in the section we've been proceeding. And of course, this all connects back to Vishavu Mitzrayma, um, which is how our entire section begins way, way back in uh, Perak Yudimu, Pasuk Yudzayin, and we will come back to this in a few seconds. But even before um, God commands Moshe to stretch out his arm and the waters will come back, uh, reverse themselves down upon the Egyptians, we have a very interesting pasuk at the very end of the previous uh, short parsha. Perak Yudalid, pasuk kafhe, says the following. So God, whatever this means, God somehow fought or battled or did something uh, to the Egyptians in a heavy fashion. Something heavy occurred for them. Vayomer Mitzrayim and Mitzrayim said, Anusim Mipnei Yisrael ki Hashem nilcham lahem b'Mitzrayim. So Egypt speaks and recognizes right before they're about to drown in the Yamsuf ki Hashem nilcham lahem that God fights. And this, of course, is the fulfillment of Moshe's prediction back in Parak Yudalid, Pasuk Yudalid, Hashem yilachem lahem that God will fight for you. Now, then, of course, after this mention of God fighting, we have the fact that the Egyptians drown in the water, and then after the Egyptians drown in the water and the Am Yisrael and the Bnei Yisrael pass through, we have the following pasuk, famous pasuk, Perak Yudalit, pasuk Laman. Vayosha Hashem Bayamahu. God saved 
on that day Et Yisrael Miyad Mitzrayim from the hand of Egypt. So exactly again as Moshe had predicted, uh, if in Perak Yudalik Pasuk Yudgimel he said Uru'u Et Yeshua Hashem, you will see God saving you. So here that's exactly what happens in Perak Yudalik Pasuk Lamed Vayosh Hashem Vayamahu God saved them Miyad Mitzrayim and then Vayar Yisrael Et Mitzrayim Meit Al Sfatayam. Um, and Bnei Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the edge of the uh, river um, or the edge of the sea. Vayar Yisrael etayad hagdolah sharasah Hashem from Mitzrayim. And Bnei Israel again saw the great hand that God had acted in Mitzrayim. Vayiruam et Hashem, the people feared God. Vayaminu b'Hashem v'Moshe Avdo. Now, if we were paying careful attention um, to the word music. Um, and the language here, as I read through these uh, psukim, one should realize that this is kind of an exact parallel to the language and the themes uh, that preceded the drowning of the Egyptians uh, in the Yom. Um, previously, the people um, had been afraid that they would die at the hands of Egypt. Well, here um, we have a kind of reverse. Um, rather than the people dying at the hands of Egypt, in fact, it's the Egyptians uh, who die. Um, and this is one connection. Uh, a second connection. Um, Moshe had predicted that um, God would fight for them. Hashem yilachem lachem, and that's exactly what happens. That Hashem does fight for them. Hashem yilachem lachem behem b'mitzrayim bergudalot pasuk kafei. A third connection. Moshe had predicted that God would save uh, Bnei Yisrael. He told them, "Stand still, ruot Yeshua Hashem, and you will see the saving that God will do for you." And that's exactly what happens in Perak Yudalot pasuk lamed byosh Hashem byomahu. A Fourth connection, the theme or the notion of, of sight. Uh, Moshe had told them, you will see um, the, the Hatzalah, the saving, the rescue that God will perform for you. And you will never see Egypt, Egypt again as you see them today, bearing down the, upon them. And in fact, what in fact happens in the end? Again, they see, but the seeing here is very, very different. But the seeing is exactly as Moshe predicted, not Egypt as they once were, but Egypt dead is what they see. And what do they see? Exactly as Moshe predicted. So the fourth connection is the seeing. And the final connection um, which is a connection between the kind of beginning of the preceding segment and the end of the segment that comes afterwards is the term Vayiru. Vayiru uh, the people were very afraid of Egypt. They were in panic. Here the masters down, bore down upon them. And how does the entire segment end in Paragudalot, Pasuk Lamet Aleph? Vayiru Hashem, the people now feared God. As opposed to having fear of their master, Egypt, um, a kind of panicked fear of their master Egypt, there's a transformation that happens here. Through the witnessing of the rescue by God, through the witnessing of God's battle against Egypt, through the seeing of Egypt dead, that fear is removed, that fear is transformed, that fear is elevated into an awe of God, a recognition of God's greatness. And this brings us to the last point, or the last closing clause of Parakudal, Pasukulam and Aleph, Vaminu Basham Uba Moshe Avdo, and the people believed in God and Moshe Avdo. Now, um, to put this all together, uh, how does this help us um, resolve our problem of God's reversal of himself, of God's bringing back uh, the people in the direction of Egypt, of turning them back towards the Midbar to bring the war down upon Am Yisrael? that apparently they weren't ready for and apparently had to be avoided at the very, very beginning of the story. 
I think the answer uh, can be phrased in a kind of interesting literary fashion in reference, again, to the way the parshiot begin in the language of uh, Shav and Yashuvu and this kind of interesting plan words that happens in the Torah here. If originally, back in Parak Yudalad, uh, back in Parak Yudimel, Pasuk um, Yudzayin, war had to be avoided because B'nai Yisrael weren't ready because there's a problem of Veshavu Mitzrayma. The problem can be phrased as the prospect of turning back to Egypt Veshavu Mitzrayma because B'nai Yisrael are still somehow enslaved, at least mentally, if not physically, to Egypt. Well, the Parshiot that come afterwards, the parsha that begins in Perak Yudalid Pasik Aleph, Daber Yashuvu, the plan words, the turning back in the direction of Egypt to entice Egypt into war and to bring that war down upon them, which will lead to the eventual scene at Yamsuf and the destruction of Egypt, all of that uh, comes to its fulfillment in Vyashuvu Amayim Al Mitzrayim, found in Perak Yudalid Pasik Kavav, the waters come crashing down upon Egypt, and B'nai Israel see right in front of their eyes the death of their masters, they see the Yeshua, the saving, the rescue done by God, they see that God fights for them, and their fear is transformed into awe of God, into emuna. So we might say that the whole purpose of turning back, of bringing down the war upon B'nai Yisrael, is in order to get to the result, the death of Egypt in front of their eyes, and the instilling of consciousness and understanding on the part of B'nai Yisrael that God does fight for them, um, that their old masters are dead, and to reach this stage of Yirat Hashem, of awe and emunah in God, in understanding, in witnessing the uh, um, Hatzalah, the rescue that he performs for them. It is a kind of therapy, uh, so to speak. It is a building of understanding, a building of Yirat and emunah on the part of B'nai Yisrael, and this is why God brings that scenario down upon them to instill in them uh, these virtues. Um, now, I think this is um, fundamentally correct, but I think there's another complementary element uh, which exists here, something more than just the idea of witnessing the Yeshua of Hashem, witnessing the rescue by God, um, seeing Egypt dead, and making the psychological break uh, from Egypt as master, and making the transformation to fear and emunah in God. I think there's actually something additional here, so to speak, a kind of slightly complementary element. And to understand this, I would like to go back to the language of, of Moshe um, in speaking to the people before the events at Yam Suf, and, and maybe even what might be thought of as a, a disagreement um, between God uh, and, uh, and Moshe. Um, let us take a look in Perak Yudalit, Pasuk Yud Gimel again, when Moshe speaks to the people. Moshe said to the people, Al tira'u, do not be afraid. Literally, this means stand still and see the rescue that God will do for you this day. Um, so Moshe informs the people that they're not going to have to do anything at all. They're just going to stand. Literally. Um, and again, in the next Pasuk, in Pasuk Yudalad, when Moshe refers to the fact that God will fight for them, it says, Hashem yilachem lachem, God will fight for you. You shall be silent or still. So there's this idea of the people standing still, of, of, of being quiet, the kind of passivity. Uh, witnessing is the phrase they used before, because everything here is performed by God. This seems to be the perspective of Moshe, or at least the prediction of Moshe. 
But in fact, if we now jump to Perak Yedalit Pasik Tetvav in a segment we skipped over previously, God seems to disagree. Vayamra Hashem el Moshe, and God said to Moshe, Matitzakelai, why do you cry out to me? Uh, apparently Rashi tells us that Moshe was praying to God. Why are you praying? Daber al Speak to B'nai Israel, and they should plunge forth. V'yisau, and they should move. And then afterwards, and then place your arm out and you're going to split the sea. But it seems that God um, demands not passivity from B'nai Yisrael, but some sort of activity um, from B'nai Yisrael. We are, of course, familiar with the Midrashim uh, that indicate that first Am Yisrael or some of Am Yisrael had to enter into the ocean and only when it was up to their necks or up to the neck of one particular leader, only then did the arm split. Only after the people of Israel took initiative after they, so to speak, uh, acted courageously, or they began their own rescue, only then uh, uh, does God rescue them. And there's a certain sense of tension between the passivity that Moshe predicts and the activity uh, that it seems that God demands. Now, I would like to argue that this notion of activity or need for initiative is actually a theme that runs through uh, the entire parsha, And this takes us back to Chamushim at the beginning of the parsha. Um, already this idea of the need to take initiative or preparation or prepare to take initiative exists uh, in Parak Yud-Gimel, Pasuk Yud-Chat. So if God took them uh, down south to Midbar Tiam Suf, and because, of course, they were not yet ready for war, but they went up armed because there's a need to begin to prepare for the possibility of taking initiative. Um, now, this theme, I think, of activity or initiative occurs again, uh, even before Moshe speaks, in Perak Yudalad, um, Pasuk Yud. When Paro came close to Paro, so they're in panic, they're in fear. Here, their master bears down upon them and they wish they could return to Egypt. They're very afraid. But before they sarcastically remark to Moshe, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? At the end of Parakudal, Pasuk Yud, Vitzaku Bnei Yisrael El Hashem. Bnei Yisrael cried out uh, to God. Now, Rashi here remarks, Tafsu Amnot Avotehem. They engaged in the um, practice of their forefathers. In other words, Rashi indicates thus that Vitzaku Bnei Yisrael El Hashem is Tfilah, and it is prayer. And the word Vitzak Tzaka is is a kind of prayer. So before sarcastically making whatever remarks they're going to make to Moshe, the people turn to God and they pray to God. And this is a kind of initiative. Whereas previously, back in Parak Bet of Sefer Shmot, um, when Bnei Yisrael groaned uh, under their labors. Uh, we're told there in Perak Bet, Pasach Kaf Gimel, Vayenchu B'nei Soma Na'avodah, and the people uh, groaned or sighed from the hard work, Vayizaku, and they cried out, Vata'al Shavatam Elokim Na'avodah, and then their cry went up. It wasn't direct prayer to God, it was a kind of almost animal groan, a za'aka. Um, and this pain was noticed by God. But here it's all together different. They were able to pray to God. They turned to God. And this too is a kind of movement in the direction of initiative. So to put this all together, I think what's crucial to the development of Yirah and Emunah in the story of Kriyat Yamsuf uh, in the kind of cure from the psychological enslavement to Egypt, it is not just the passive witnessing of the rescue or the warfare uh, done by God. 
But there's an active element as well. The fact that Bnei Yisrael are, so to speak, preparing to move in the direction of fighting for themselves. They leave with weapons. The fact that they're able to pray um, to God. Uh, the fact that at a certain point in time, God says to them, well, move ahead. And they're able to do that and move ahead and plunge ahead. All these movements towards initiative and activity indicate the beginnings of a kind of, of partnership between initiative and action on the one hand, and of course, passivity, acceptance, and witnessing of divine Hatzalah on the other hand. It's exactly this key, uh, this development of this partnership that is central to the story of Kriyat Yam Sof and is the means by which it is the means by which B'nai Israel break out of the slave mentality uh, of the psychological um, enslavement to Egypt. They begin to move in the direction of awe of God and belief in God, this kind of very tricky combination of initiative on the one hand and acceptance, passivity, and belief on the other hand. Um, I would just like to close with, I think, an interesting point uh, and I think it's kind of an interesting question. How successful uh, is Dor Mitzrayim, this generation that left Egypt, how successful were they in, in the end of the day, internalizing this lesson that God fights them? How successful were they in the end of the day in striking this balance between understanding the need for their own initiative, their own weapons, their own tefillah, their own courage, their own plunging hand on the one hand, and on the other hand, knowing that God fights for them openly or perhaps behind the scenes. And, and this very tricky balance of, of your, that, is defi- that is the definition of Yira'an Emunah, it's a really open question, an interesting one. How successful were B'nai Yisrael in, in internalizing and acting according to that um, set of parameters uh, during the first generation upon leaving Egypt? And I think in this context, uh, although we often talk about the Chet Maraglim, and I think it's too large a topic to discuss in the very few short moments that um, are left to us. I think it's interesting to look at the very end of Parshat B'Shalach, uh, and until now we've been considering the beginning. I think a very interesting parsha at the very end of uh, Parshat B'Shalach, which kind of stands in parallel um, to um, the beginning of Parshat B'Shalach, I think it has something very interesting to say about um, the success or lack of success of the Dor Mitzrayim, of the generation left Egypt, in internalizing, in making the break from Egypt and internalizing the notions of uh, activity and passivity, Yira and Emunah. Perak um, Zayin, Pasuk tells us as follows. Amalek, um, im Am Yisrael And Amalek came and fought with Am Yisrael at Rafidim. It is a parsha of Milchama. And the word Milchama uh, appears actually three times in the parsha. In Parak Yudzayin, Pasik Tet, we're told that Moshe says to Yeshua, B'chalana onashim v'tzei hilachem ba'amalek. Go choose war men who will fight for us. The language is hilachem again. And of course, uh, in Pasik Yud, immediately after this, Vayas Yeshua kasher amar la Moshe. Uh, Yeshua did as Moshe commanded him. Hilachem ba'amalek, to fight in Amalek. So this is a, a parsha of, of war. The word lehilachem, lechama, appears three times. And this short parsha, which closes parsha b'shalach, Harks back to the very, very beginning of Pashat Peshalach, to Perak Yud Yimel, um, Pasuk uh, Yud Zayin, there's a problem of war, and here you have war at the very end of the Pasha. So the Pasha opens with Milchama, and the Pasha ends with Milchama. Now, there are another a couple of interesting connections between um, the two Parshiot. Um, Secondly, uh, if we take a look, we all remember the story. Uh, Moshe goes up onto the 
uh, mountain, and uh, his hands are, are heavy. Uh, and we're told the interesting language of the Torah there in Perak Yud Zayin, Pasuk um, Yud Bet. And Moshe's hands were heavy. And they had to take a stone, they put it under it. And once they held up Moshe's hands, so the story here of the war against Amalek is not just a story of war, which parallels the beginning of Peshat Peshalach. It's also a story of kveidut, of a certain kveidim, a certain kind of heaviness. And without going into the details, uh, um, all of the various notions of kveid and heavy are very, very much apparent throughout the story of Kriyat Yamsuf. And of course, as pointed out previously, emunah, uh, belief or reliability, the story of Kriyat Yamsuf ends with the term Emunah Aminu Bashem Moshe Avdal. So here we have a, a kind of third parallel uh, between the stories. Now, of course, who fights uh, the battle um, in the story of the war with Amalek? Well, we know. Perak Yud Zayin Pasuk Yud Gimel, towards the very end of the parasha, says as follows Vayachalosh Yeshuat Amalek Vetamolafi Kharev. And Yeshua defeated Amalek and the nation by sword. Of course, with what weapons? What swords? Hamushim Yisrael, with the weapons. What we have here is kind of the reverse of the beginning of Prashat Peshalach. If at first the people were slaves, they had a slave mentality, they were not prepared for war. Here we see at the end of the parsha, there's a parsha of Milchama, there's another story which harks back to Kriyat Yamsuf, and the people have the weapons and they're able to use them, they have broken their mentality, they're able to fight, they have the self-confidence. Um, so this is a story of human initiative and courage, and we might say that the therapy of Kriyat Yamsuf has, so to speak, been completely successful. Except, let us think about this. As we well know, it is not exactly uh, Yoshua who defeats Amalek alone at the end of Parshat Peshalach. It is done through a very interesting uh, combination. Now let us take a look just to close in Perak Yud Zayin, Pasuk Yud, and Yud Aleph. Vayas Yoshua kasher amalo Moshe lihilachem ba'amalek. And Yoshua did, as Moshe told him, to fight, to war against Amalek. Moshe va'aron v'chur alu They went up into the top of the mountain. And when Moshe would lift up his hands, then B'nai Yisrael would be triumphant. And when Moshe would put his hands down, then Amalek would be triumphant. So, of course, the battle doesn't just depend upon the prowess of B'nai Yisrael at war or Yeshua's abilities as a general. The prowess, the battle depends upon the prowess of Moshe's hands. And what do Moshe's hands symbolize? They, of course, symbolize tefillah. They t- symbolize um, turning um, to God in heaven. Uh, they symbolize the understanding that it is really God who fights for B'nai Yisrael behind the scenes, so to speak. And it's cited by Rashi, the famous uh, Mishnah uh, found in Rosh Hashanah, Peregimel uh, Mishnah Chet, which says as follows, When Moshe would lift up his hands, then uh, B'nai Yisrael would be triumphant. Is it the actual physical hands of Moshe that do war or break war? Every time B'nai Yisrael would look up, and they would turn their hearts uh, to their forefather in heaven, then they would be successful. So in other words, the hands of Moshe symbolize prayer, they symbolize the understanding that it is God who fights, it is God who rescues. And the story of Melchama found at the end of Parshat Peshalach contains within it this very tricky balance between human initiative, the use of weapons on the one hand, on the other hand, 
the prayer, the turning to God, the understanding that God fights behind the scenes, the emunah. It, so to speak, is meant to represent for us here at the end of the parsha the closing off of Bishalach and the successful accomplishment uh, of the lessons uh, taught at Kriyat Yamsuf by uh, B'nai Yisrael, at least in its immediate aftermath in the war against Amalek here at the end of Parshat Bishalach. As I said, um, the story of the Muraglim and the attitude of B'nai Yisrael, the Dharma time vis-a-vis uh, the possibility of entering the land is another story altogether and a topic for a different time.